The Innocence invites its audience to immerse itself in 19th century Paris and lose itself in a queer thriller for the ages. Joining me to talk about the show are director and creator Anne Kreitman and cast members Alec Fan and Emily Modaff. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. Before we dive into the experience of, of going to take in this show, let's talk about the inspiration for the play and Take Me to Paris. Absolutely. I had the idea of the show uh, when I was going through the Paris catacombs. They're open uh, as a tourist attraction, and you can go down in there and see a little bit of the ossuaries, which are where they kept the bones. So that's those are the walls with the skulls and all that cool gothy stuff. Absolutely. The catacombs actually go on for about 200 miles underneath Paris in an enormous labyrinth, and no one knows how many exits or entrances there are. Um, or even if it's fully explored yet. But in about a mile and a half of the catacombs, they keep about six million skeletons stacked up. Yeah, and if that sounds like a lot of skeletons, it's because that is a lot of skeletons. It's visually very (laughs) overwhelming. So because it is a tourist attraction in Europe and not America, uh, you're just walking amongst the bones, really. Uh, And it's rather wet and the ground is a little uneven. And I slipped and stuck my fingers into an eye socket like a bowling ball. Uh, And I had human remains on my hands for the rest of the day because I definitely wiped it on my pants, (laughs) took those pants back to Chicago, washed them in my machine. And so I had a little bit of history on me for a little too long. But don't try to bring any shampoo on the plane with you. That's that's a bridge too far. Exactly. (laughs) So 19th century Paris was a very heady time there. Can you tell me about, is it Guy, the character Guy? Yes. Yeah, that's who Emily plays. Guy is a composer. Yes. So among the likes of Debussy, Satie, mm-hmm. and was mildly successful and uh, kind of, I would say, a one-hit wonder, had, had a, a very popular concerto and then had nothing. Um, so the story follows Guy as they search for inspiration in the form of their uh, dead ex-lover who... Is in the catacombs for some reason. Don't give it away. Yeah. (laughs) And so when when we're thinking about the innocence and we're following Guy together, are we looking for that lost love or are we looking for another layer of Guy? I think you can decide. At the beginning of the show, I'm sure everyone has a slight opinion of Guy. And you do travel through through the space, um, you go on a small journey before you sit down, and I think that would be kind of the, the like little oven where you you decide what kind of journey you're going on. Yeah, I've talked about the show as a successful séance and a failed exorcism. <laughs> so you get to absorb the memories and the grief of all these characters. It's not necessarily a show about grief or memory, Mm -hmm. uh, but if you choose to, you can walk in it with us. And I think this is not a show for you if you like to sit back and watch and judge and let things come to you. This Mm -hmm. is a world and a story that that rewards you when you take a chance on it.
I'm Jill Hopkins. You're listening to Vocalo. Joining me in the studio from the play The Innocence, director and creator Anne Kreitman and cast members Alec Fan and Emily Modoff. I'm kind of uh, in love with the casting process that uh, you have adopted here. I think it's important to mention it within the context of the subject matter. Anne, can you tell me about this super awesome inclusive casting process? Uh, I was inspired by a comic uh, when I was first writing the show that is a little boy and a little girl walking up to a skeleton. Mm -hmm. And they ask the skeleton, are you a boy or a girl? And the skeleton answers, I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) So that for me was the guiding principle. And in the casting call, what I was looking for were performers who resonated with these characters, regardless of perceived or presented gender. Uh, I wanted people and people who come with a variety of queer experience to embrace this show and embrace these people to bring them to life. Alec, tell me about reading that casting notice and showing up to that casting call oh, and, and the feelings that, that yeah, it gave you. It was absolutely refreshing, um, not just to go into that casting call, but to, to hold space with folks for whom these principles are the norm and not just something that they're like putting on for for publicity or because it's a trend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, truly, when, when folks uh, hold the values of consent and diversity, you know, as a default and not something that they're trying on. It's for folks who don't fit the default. It is a, it's a whole new world and um, it feels safe and it feels uh, brave. And yeah, I'm super excited to share the work that we did in that room. Emily, knowing you as, as well as I do, I know that you have no patience for anything that is not inclusive. Absolutely. And you would not have even looked twice at being in this show if it wasn't something that met your standards. Tell me about your your point of view going through all of this. I came out as non-binary in the past year. <laughs> so since then, the parts that I'm I'm looking for and I'm accepting are few and far between. And even uh, more rare is finding a queer non-binary character uh, that just exists yeah. because we exist. There is no mention of Guy as a non-binary person except in the description of the character. In the script, it just says, not a cis man, which makes me so happy <laughs> because that's a, that's a beautiful way to be all-inclusive. There's no femme-presenting... Um, male identifying, which I find insulting. And it was very refreshing and kind of surprising for me to be given the opportunity to play someone non-binary because I do present slightly femme. And I think right now theater says that they're ready for non-binary actors, but they are ready for palatable non-binary actors. And that would be thin and masculine. So when I was cast, I had a little bit of imposter syndrome, you know, um, not knowing if that was right because I've been told that it's not. But going into the room, the majority of us are are queer. So there's no education that has to happen in the room. Oh my gosh, you save so much time. You <laughs> just get down to rehearsing for God's sake. Oh my God. It's like, <laughs> oh, we can just focus on the story of people. Yeah. Absolutely. I tried very hard to create a space where queerness was the default uh, because that's how I wrote this story. Mm-hmm. I didn't say, oh, I'm going to write a queer romance. Um, I just said, this is a story that interests me, and I'm going to write it from my point of view. And I wrote this story as I was coming out as a lesbian. And so I did not want to write a coming out story. I wanted to write a story about 
the things that we hide from ourselves and from each other, because that was a lot of my experience in coming out was unearthing that ugliness that comes out in those subtle and tiny ways that you don't realize until you are standing in your truth and fully yourself. You realize, oh, yeah, this is a lot better. <laughs> and there's a lot of catacombs within each of us, stuff that we don't share with people that may be uh, off-putting or kind of gross to, to some people, but may be gorgeous and beautiful and historical to, to other people. Is that something that you hope people come away with when they come to see the show? Absolutely. I've been encouraging people to come along on our queer myth, but also discover their own, which is not to say that this show is for exclusively queer audiences, uh, but it is a story that has that specificity. This is Vocalo. I'm Jill Hopkins. Joining me in the studio from The Innocents, Ann Kreitman, Emily Mona. Now let's get into uh, to the experience. Uh, such attention has been paid to the immersiveness of the experience of The Innocents. And I, I, once again, don't want to give too much away, but I would love to at least try to describe what people will be in for when they arrive at the Bradley Center. Our official hashtag is gay and spooky. Gay and scary. Gay and scary. <laughs> Come on. Um, I've been describing this show as a uh, immersive show because I think it is such because we've considered what the audience smells, what they're walking on, uh, from what direction they hear sound. What's their experience when they walk in the door? Before Can we include them in the experience in their email box before they even get to the theater. Mm. Um, but it is not an immersive show that lets you explore like a Sleep No More or a Southern Gothic. I want to make that clear. Sure. But I also think that the word immersive is more expansive than that singular definition of it. Mm. So we've tried to uh, create a full experience um, using our, all of our audience's senses. One of my favorite parts of the show is the soundscape both manufactured sound and sound coming from the actors. It's a large space. It's a, a very large ballroom. So we fill that space with uh, these sounds that we developed in the first week mm -hmm. of rehearsal. And that is that is my favorite. As an actor, it helps me get into that headspace. But as an audience member, I imagine it expands the experience greatly. Now, the hashtag is gay and scary. And it is running through the Halloween season. But is this a play for anybody that has, like, witchiness in their heart all year round? Please. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> Jill. My favorite movie is The Craft. I am witchiness at heart all the time. I would see this play in springtime when the sun was shining. <laughs> Christmas Day. Is there hope to remount this uh, at a you know in a sunnier time just to fulfill uh, the goths' need for for something like this when like Lollapalooza bus ads are starting to come out or something? <laughs> you know, and I'm doing my best, uh, <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, I do hope that this show has a life beyond this run um, for as much work that we've put towards it. So we'll see. Um, but I also want 
more stories like it Mm -hmm. of uh, queer stories that don't paint us as the tragic hero, but rather let us be flawed, let us reckon with our dead uh, and present our full experience rather than just the tragedy of us coming out. Well, I thank you for for bringing this story to the table and for keeping it queer and scary for all the queer, scary people out there. If you'd like more information on The Innocence, you can go to rediscovertheater.com. It is at the the beautiful Bradley Center. And uh, maybe the eyes on those paintings will follow you. (laughs) Thank you all so much for joining me. Thank Thank you. you.